Welcome to the Anonymous Podcast. I'm Douglas L., your host. You can now contact me directly via text, 919-675-1058. That's 919-675-1058. Or join our Facebook group at the Anon Podcast. That's T-H-E-A-N-O-N-P-O-D-C-A-S-T to fellowship with other guests. This podcast aims to be a commentary and discussion of Narcotics Anonymous literature, aiming to enrich the recovery experience of those who are on this beautiful journey. This podcast should not replace contact with your sponsor, your involvement with Stepwork, or participation in the fellowship. Please use this podcast as another resource toward our collective growth as addicts in recovery. We're simply addicts seeking recovery. Nothing more, and for sure, nothing less. Now let's get started. My name is Spencer P. I'm an addict. This is the September 16th, just for today. Emotional balance. Emotional balance is one of the first results of meditation. Our experience bears this out. Basics text, page 45. Although each of us defines emotional balance a little bit differently, all of us must find it. Emotional balance can mean finding meaning and maintaining a positive outlook on life, regardless of what may be happening around us. To some, it might mean an understanding of our emotions that allow us to respond, not react to our feelings. It can mean that we experience our feelings as intensely as we can while also moderating their excessive expression. Emotional balance comes with practice and prayer and meditation. We get quiet and share our thoughts and hopes and concerns with the God of our understanding. And we listen for guidance, awaiting the power to act on that direction. Eventually our skills in maintaining near balance get better, and the wild up-down emotional swings we used to experience begin to settle. We develop an ability to let others feel their feelings. We have no need to judge them, and we fully embrace our own personal range of emotions. Just for today, through regular prayer and meditation, I will discover what emotional balance means to me. In today's episode, we'll discuss the Just for Today meditation with our guest, Desiree R. Hey, Desiree, welcome to the Anonymous Podcast. Hey, thank you so much for having me. I appreciate you. Yep, I'm glad you can make it. So, Desiree, could you tell us your clean date, where you attend meetings, and could you give your home group a shout out? Sure. My clean date is 6-9-2013. I go to meetings in Salem and Staten, Oregon, and my home group-ish is Girls' Night Out. <laughs> okay. All right. Very nice. And so now we're going to transition into the just for today. So Desiree, could you share your thoughts on emotional balance? Lord have mercy. Hmm. Emotional balance, definitely something that I have been working on for a number of years since even entering into recovery, I, I started my process of recovery in 1999 uh, after a stint of jail time and being introduced to the 12 steps. And at that point in my life, I had a lot of rage, a lot of rage, a lot of uh, depression. I, I was shortly after being released from jail, I was diagnosed with depression and anxiety and PTSD, which the life I led during my active addiction, uh, the most acute part of my addiction, uh, definitely afforded a lot of trauma. So in regard to my desire to become more emotionally balanced, that didn't happen for a number of years, probably 13 years into my attempts at staying clean and staying in recovery. And I, I went out in and out, in and out, in and out for a good number of 10 years, uh, a good part of 10 years. And with that, I 
continue to ruin relationships or how I saw I was ruining relationships. I, I continued to be extremely self-centered. I thought everything was against me. Everything and everyone was, uh, I was victim to. And one day I had this epiphany of, hmm, maybe there's a common denominator here. And that common denominator was me. And I was responsible fully for the outcome of my experience on earth. And as I started to learn more about myself and my emotions through doing the 12 steps over and over and over again, because of the many, many layers and uh, years and years of adverse experiences and diseased living, I started to discover something called emotional wellness and emotional sobriety and emotional balance, as it says in the just for today. And what I learned is that Depending upon how I responded, the outcome could be much different. Now, I didn't really know what that meant at first, but I was willing to try it on. I would hear people talk about how they, in the meetings, how they used to be so rageful and so spiteful and how they would, at one point, tell someone to F off, whereas now they were praying for them, for their joy. And I really, really wanted that. I liked the idea of it, but I didn't know how to get there. And eventually I was introduced to mindfulness and I started to listen to uh, recorded recorded um, meditations. And then eventually I was practicing yoga and chanting mantras and really starting to practice now. One thing that I was surprised that happened is that I thought that because I had changed my mind and I was going to be this suddenly spiritually fit, emotionally fit person, (laughs) that I wouldn't be annoyed anymore, that somehow everybody would see this angelic presence and not give me any shit, and I would be immune to being flipped off or called a B word or, you know, on and on and on, and that wasn't true obviously. Wait, you mean we still have to be human? Like we're still human after we make the decision to, to, to be balanced? Oh, babe. We're still human. And so, well, you know, years and years and years into this, I still find myself, uh, let me back up for a second. So when it came to the, when it came to the realization that I actually would still encounter folks who were, or my environment would support the fact that I'm still going to encounter people who were maybe not spiritually fit themselves or emotionally fit. And that I still was being rubbed a certain kind of way and still had an internal reaction that I wasn't, it didn't mean that I was failing. It means that I'm human, like you just said, and that how I choose to respond rather than react would determine the outcome. Now, I'm years and years into it. I'm years and years into practicing emotional sobriety, emotional recovery. And I still get activated. And, and sometimes it's the people closest to me, mostly actually. Like I, I really don't get too turned up about uh, people I don't know. You know. If I get caught off in traffic, it doesn't really do anything for me. Maybe it scares me, but I can recognize that I was fear that I was feeling 
and then if I recognize that it's fear that I'm feeling, I don't go right to anger. So I've, I've been a lot better about recognizing what the initial or the core feeling that I'm having is instead of reacting from this prim primal place, which is the reactionary place. So in regards so Desiree, to... Desiree, let's, let's jump in. Let me dig into two things. One, um, this emotional balance perspective, you know, through through meditation and this mindfulness, um, and and I really got into mindfulness maybe at the early part of this year, and and I have this little mindfulness um, workbook I do every morning, and mindfulness meditation has been a practice in my life since the beginning of this year, and and really seriously um, the last few months, uh, and and it's been it's been awesome. I mean, you know, meditation's kind of been a part of my my journey off and on different seasons for years. I got clean in two thousand and and you know, so so but really this mindfulness meditation practice, I'm a big fan of it. Um and I, I, I from what I understand the roots of it maybe come from a Buddhist perspective and I'm not a Buddhist, but it um this thing is is real and it's unlocked some awarenesses inside of me that I had no idea that all the, the fourth and fifth steps that I've, that I've been able to, to do, I, I missed a couple of things that, that really um, this meditation practice has allowed me to discover. So I want to ask you, what does, what does this actually look like? Like, how do you apply this, this mindfulness in your life that way, if we have listeners tuned in, they're saying, okay, you know, wh what does this, what does this look like? And then two, um, could you talk about this respond versus react? And what does that look like? Yeah, surely. On a practical level, the way that uh, I have to go back to the actually action of the meditation itself. And that could be a, a daily practice. I prime my morning. Uh, some, some religious texts talk or religious uh, congregations talk about 10% tithing. And if 10% of my day is two hours, 2.4 hours, let's say two and a half hours, that's the 10% tithing to myself. So I take a two and a half hour period of time in the morning to really be in a routine. I don't know about any other addicts, but I love ritual. <laughs> I, love, right, right. I, used to love, I used to love the ritual of putting dope on the scale and mm. putting it in a baggie and, and tying it up. I used to love that shit. Now I love the ritual of getting up, doing my business in the bathroom, brushing my teeth, putting oil on my face, going out to my living room, turning on my, my, my area, lighting incense and sage and setting up my music, sitting down on my pillow. It's all very visceral. It's all very somatic. And so I take that time to really dedicate to myself. I give that gift to myself. And in the process of meditation, what a what whoever designed the brain was genius because <laughs> we are the only ones who can observe our mind with our own freaking mind i mean who does that we have the capacity to really this is how the the how of the program open or excuse me honesty open-mindedness and willingness part of meditation is being honest being honest about being truthful about what you see about yourself, what you discover without judging it, being mm -hmm. able to actually look at ourselves without judgment. That's huge. Being open to the possibilities of, oh, yeah, ah, okay, mm -hmm, that's it. And also the wins, right? The things that are really wonderful about us. We tend to self-abnegate. We tend to shrink 
uh, in the presence of others so they don't feel bad. Or we, we tend to flog ourselves like for all the things that we've done. That's why the 12 steps are so great. But in meditation, we can also witness the, the things that we do well, the things that we have deep, deep gratitude for. And then the willingness to be able to either look at it and take action or look at it and observe it without judgment and just let it be. So in that, it's, it's like a, a constant 10th step <laughs> in the meditation mm-hmm. process. Now, it doesn't have to be. That just happens to be my, my way of doing my practice. Some people stare at walls. Some people walk as they meditate. Some people lie down. Some people play tennis. Some people smoke a cigar. It's whatever it is that's going to bring you inside yourself to be, have a good, honest look at yourself. And sometimes I also spend time in meditation for my creative ventures. If I need clarity about something, I go into that. I, I use meditation to get clear, and I write it down, whatever comes up. It may take me in a total dif- uh, different segue, or it goes into, might go into a different direction. So in answering your second question, the difference between emotional balance, or no, no, reaction and, and response, is that correct? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So as we know by now, <laughs> most of most of the, there's a lot of literature about trauma out there and how trauma is a, a trauma response is in the, the primal brain, the primordial brain, the reptilian part of our brain, the oldest part, most ancient part of our brain that tells us to fight or flee or procreate or eat or fawn, which is being more appeasing or appealing or to freeze, right? Did I already say that one? So one of the F's and that part of us tells us, and especially for those of us who have experienced addiction, we are suited up and ready to fight a war that isn't happening anymore. Mm, we are ready good. to rock. We are hyper vigilant. We are ready to fight somebody. And we walk around like that 24 seven, even years after being, after being clean, after getting clean, we, we still are ready to fight somebody. And it could be as simple as, um, you get a phone a phone call that doesn't have a, a name on it, and you automatically think it's the bill collector. Or you get a piece of mail, and you automatically think it's a bill, but it's actually a check. So we, we're suited up, it seems naturally, to expect the worst, and we're going to fight it, right? So the ability, what's happened for me in my meditative practice is that I have, it has given me a sense of pause. It's giving me a sense of being able to take a moment, and it really feels like uh, like 10 years, but it's 10 seconds. Mm-hmm. It's 10 seconds of being able to stop and go, oh, okay. And a lot of times it's my body awareness that brings me to the place of being able to stop because I'll notice that my hands are clammy or my heart's starting to pound. My shoulders are, are really tight. I have that feeling in my stomach. It just a, like an uneasy feeling, and I go, oh, okay, what's going on here? And if I can simply take a breath and lean into that feeling and ask it, what does it want from me? What does it want me to know? Then I'm able to respond. And that really was less than 10 seconds just then. So what meditation has helped me to do is to learn how to be able to respond. Now, <clears throat> sometimes I, excuse me. sometimes I am activated and I don't even know it because of PTSD 
I don't, a, a, the wind can blow a certain way and it touches my cheek and suddenly I'm taken back somewhere and I'm activated. My system is activated as if I'm about to fight somebody or need to hide. And when that happens, I, sometimes I'll go about my day and I'm feeling that irritability and discontent and feeling completely off, angry, whatever it is. And at maybe at some point I'll figure out that, oh, hey, I'm actually experiencing an activation right now. So there's some awareness around that. And that's that emotional balance. That's the promise. That's what, that, what comes back into play when we practice. And it's a daily practice. It's like the steps or, or like the one day at a time. We, we can't expect to take a shower and stay clean every day after that. <clears throat> we have to keep cleaning ourselves. And for me, that's what the process that's really good. And Desiree, let me ask you about this um, just real quickly, and then we'll transition to the last question of the episode. But um, so many people recently have have um, told me about the sense that that it really does, it, it just does something to the spirit um, certain times of the day to have certain um, aromas going on in the house. And so uh, you you had mentioned that, you know, so, so um, uh, w- What's the deal with that? So is there a morning scent, an evening scent, uh, you know, and all this? And, and you're, you're, you're really like the eighth person maybe in the last two weeks that's told me about this. And so I'm, I'm just asking there. Okay. Well, what we know from science is that the olfactory system, the smell, is the first sense that a baby that is activated when the baby's born. It's the strongest. It's the one that... When you put a, a newborn baby on its mother's belly, it will literally root, which means that it'll scoot itself up to the breast because it can smell the breast milk, so it can feed. And that's the most primal uh, activator in the brain. What also happens, and I don't know about everybody's, what they prefer as far as what's good for when. I think it's a really a personal choice. I use uh, sage because it's a part of my heritage to use as a native person, and it all in these incense because it smells good. I mean, <laughs> right? Okay. Okay. So all of those, uh, and I do use a lot of essential oils too. And what that does is that if I, when I associate a certain smell with a, an emotion, I can I can calm myself down by smelling that smell. Now there are fragrances like citrus, uh, like bergamot or bergamot, depending on how you want to say it, or lemon or orange that will activate certain centers in the brain that will help with depression, help to alleviate depression or to quell it. And there's also the science of when we have too many positive ions floating around in our brain, which is sodium, we have too many, then depression, we feel depressed. And so some of those scents will have negative ions attached to them. And when you inhale them, they will attach to the positive ion and help you to have an elevated mood, which will bring you out of your depression. So there's some science behind it. Plus there's woo-woo aspects to it too. We'll we'll have to talk after this and and you'll have to get me started (laughs) on a starter kit. Okay. All right. Very cool. I'm happy to help. (laughs) Thank you. All right, Desiree. So look, let me ask you the last question. I'd like to ask all the guests who come on. So, um, you've been on this journey for a while and, and you have this experience. And so knowing what you know now, if you could sit down with Desiree or with one day clean or one week clean, could you share with us what you would tell her? 
Oh man. Uh, you're not going to do it perfectly. You're not going to do it comparing yourself to everybody else's journey and that you're worth it. You're worth it because you breathe. Thank you all again for spending your time with us today on the anonymous podcast. I encourage you all to focus on that magic six letter word others as we go out into the world. Stop by the Facebook page, fellowship with other guests, or send me a text. Let me know if you'd like to be a guest or if you have any ideas on future podcasts. Until next time, I'm your host, Douglas L. Namaste, and God bless. Mm-hmm.